And there's the crossing today as well. So if you're in fifth and sixth grade, or you just graduated sixth grade, this is a time for you to jump back in there and check out the crossing. Kaylee is running the show back there. We all, I need like a group of people to just pray right now because Kaylee is in charge. Um, but no, we love Kaylee. She's awesome. So how many of you guys like a good guitar solo? Um, best guitar solo, maybe best guitarist you've ever heard would be who? Jimi Hendrix, Steve Vaughan. Nigel Hendro, never heard of him. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, dude. Dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll talk later. John Mayer. I don't know that person. I can't say their name. I don't know how to say it. Um, what's that? Eric Clapton. There you go. Good deal. Um, yeah, there you go. Now, Micah was just up here, and um, he's my oldest son. He plays guitar. And many of you don't know this, but all of his talent for playing guitar comes from me. All right? Now, where's that? Oh, there's the pick. So let me tell you the story. Micah and Jeremiah were the ones that were around at the time. They were very small. I was probably in my late 20s. And I said, you know what I've always wanted to do? I wanted to play guitar. So what I decided to do is I'm like, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to learn how to play guitar, man. I want to lead worship. I want to do this. And so I, uh, I decided, I don't even know what I'm doing right now, but let's get. It's actually pleasant. Last night it was rough. So I picked up a guitar. I had a buddy of mine that sold me an ovation for like 100 bucks. He was like, cool. Noah's still learning on it, which is great. And um, I decided, like, I'm not going to be able to do this. YouTube wasn't a thing, all right? That's how old I am. And I'm like, you know what I could do? I could probably audit a class at Moraine Valley Community College on guitar playing. And so I did. So I signed up for a class. And I didn't have to take any of the tests. I didn't have to do anything because I was auditing the class. I was 20-some, like almost 30, and I'm in there with all these punk kids with their electric guitars, and I'm there with like this old ovation trying to pluck out some chords. And so I, uh, I did that, and I don't, again, I don't know what I'm doing, but um, I, I did something which was, I took that class like 14 weeks long, 15 weeks long, and I learned one worship song. And it was, here I am to worship, right? And I cannot play that song today. However, I can maybe struggle through finding a D chord, all right, which I just did. Now, here's the thing. My kids were young. And I played, here I am to worship, every night. Before they went to bed, for years. And they thought I was really good. They thought I was amazing. Now, as they got older, they were like, Joe, nah, and they said, Dad. They said, Dad, can you play a different song? And I'd say, I probably could, but let's stay right here. This is good. This is this one's about Jesus, all right? And so we, I would just keep playing that. So they thought I was good, but I was not great at guitar. 
And I think the reason that I never became great at guitar was because I never made a wholehearted commitment to be great. I mean, I audited the class. I didn't even want to have a quiz or a test or anyone evaluate actually how I was doing. I just wanted to be like, show me a few chords, man, and I'll be all good. Because like most worship songs are like four chords, right? And so what I learned and what you see today, because I can't really play anything for you today, is I can, I can have a guitar over my neck, but that's about it, is that playing guitar really well doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. It takes a firm commitment to being in the, the training mode of saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be great. I have a vision. I have a goal. And I have a plan. I think that churches are filled today with people who say that they're Christian, but when you look at their life, it just doesn't line up. Is that too much at 10.24 in the morning? Is that fair? Let me say it again. I think that churches are filled with people who say that they're a Christian. They say they can play guitar. Let me show you the one song I know. But when you really ask them and when you look at their life, it just doesn't seem to line up. I'm going to be talking about the vision of second place next week um, because I feel like that's the week to do it. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about why we are the way we are, because we're really messed up in the way that we think. But I believe that following the Holy Spirit is not a comfortable thing. And one of the things that we have a vision for is for saying to folks, like, there's, not, there's nothing behind what you say. It's all about who you are. It's about your character. It's about who you are in here. And whether or not you're living out of who God says you are, or if you're trying to please somebody else. And so I think what people will often do is just like when we hear somebody do a crazy guitar solo, we'll get inspired. We'll get inspired to become great at guitar. And then we'll want to figure out how do we get great at guitar, and then we learn maybe the riff to Sweet Child of Mine, and we're like, let's just have us a little home concert. Last night we had our Provision Lab concert, and I was joking with the Saturday night crowd before the concert. I said, the band has canceled on the concert. Uh, anybody coming to that? No. How many of you know that if I learn the Sweet Child of Mine riff, that that concert's going to be really bad? No one's going to be happy at the end of that. But the same way, what we do is we get inspired by Jesus. We look at Jesus in the scriptures and we say, oh my goodness, that's who I want to be. And so what we do is we try to act like him. So we're like, okay, I need to be, I need to be kind. I need to be like patient. I need to be like love my neighbor. I need to do all of these things. I need to do, I need to try harder. Good luck with that. Because what you're trying to do is you're actually addressing the deep character of who you are as a person. And how many of you know that it took a long time to get you as messed up as you are? It took a long time to get me as messed up as I am. And it's going to take a long time to reshape your character. And it's going to take more than willpower. 
It's going to take more than just saying, I should be a better person like Jesus was. And here's what I'll say. The reason we don't grow in our faith, the reason we don't grow in our faith is because we don't have a plan. We don't have a plan. Very few of us, including myself at times, have said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I want to follow this Jesus guy, and I want to completely overhaul my life for the next few decades. No. What we say is, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make sure I'm in church every week. That'll be what I do. I'll check the box. Oh, cool. Awesome. Good luck changing your character with that. And so I turn, um, if you want, to oh, First Timothy. First Timothy 4. Matt, you got that beginning of that one up there? Back up like maybe one or two slides, the beginning of that. It says this um, in verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless, godless myths and old wives' tales. Like that's a whole sermon in and of itself, right? Godless myths and old wives' tales next week at second place. That would be a great one. Not today, though. But here's what he says. Paul saying to Timothy, he says, train. Everyone say train. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Next slide. For physical training is of some value. You're working out every day at the gym? Good for you. It's of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people. Who is that? Jesus. And especially of those who believe. So what Paul is saying is this. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to train yourself. You're going to have to go into a rigorous training. When you sign up to follow God, you're going to be training for the rest of your life to be godly. And it's worth it because it's valuable now and even later after our lives are over. The reason we don't grow in our faith is because we just audit a class and we think that we can play guitar at the end of the day. You don't grow in your faith because you don't have a plan. Loving your neighbor is not a plan. Being kind is not a plan. Giving generously is not a plan. A plan is about training. It's about establishing the rhythms that are life-giving in your world and in your life to be able to become more godly, become more like Jesus. Are you guys down? So, when you see Micah up here, just remember where he gets it, all right? That D chord coming in strong. What I want you to do is I want you to now, I want you to just take a break. I want you to be like, whoa. Everyone say, whoa. And I want you to stand up. I want you to meet somebody around you. And I want you to tell them what instrument you played as a kid, but you don't play anymore, all right? All right. Every week on Wednesday nights, what we do with our students is we give them the option of getting rid of their phone. That table is for you. It's our form of an altar call. 
If you'd like to give up your phone for the next few minutes, maybe about 40 minutes or so by the time service is over, you can check out of all of the fun and all of the stuff that's distracting you, and you can put your phone right here. Usually our students are the first ones to come up and do it, and it's just a freeing thing. My phone is on me so much that it's worn a faded spot in my jeans, all right? It is not in there right now. It is in my office, but yeah, these guys are giving up their phone to be able to focus and to be able to say, okay, I want to hear from God. This is what it's all about. Yeah, like, the, yeah, just give it up for these folks, man. Just as I am. All right, cool, cool. All right. All you Billy Graham folks are out there. Good deal. Um, so Provision Lab is, uh, I'll just say a thing about that. Because um, maybe Dave and Kelly, I think they were focused, and I think that was great as an update. But Provision Lab was something that was birthed out of second place. And it's hard to imagine it being a separate thing right now because Dave and Kelly are part of the fabric of this place. Um, but it really is a separate organization. And what I would say is that the backbone of the volunteering that happens at Love Money and at the 5K and all of those events is from second place. And really the, the idea was not my idea, but it was an idea that came to us and what we decided was that it would be potentially a great strategy to have a different organization that would be able to coordinate government, municipalities, school districts, businesses, churches, all together, and instead of going to them as a church and saying, we want to get on board with an outreach to the community, we're going to do it as a church, which doesn't usually go well, and we found that even giving and donations from businesses are limited when it's to a church, but now that we have Provision Lab, we're able to see, and I would say this, that Love Money and the 5K and the things that they're doing would not be as exponentially crazy good if we would have done it as a church. My thought, my opinion. But I really believe that these law enforcement, government agencies, municipalities, you know, s congressional representatives that were at um, a luncheon we had in April, all of those things are happening because we're able to be undercover. And man, and we're praying and we're being the hands and feet of Jesus and God is doing a good thing. I'm excited about it. You guys too? Awesome. If you came to give today, um, you can give on one of those envelopes. There's joy boxes on the left and right of the, of the uh, room. We don't typically pass an offering plate. Um, we haven't done that for a couple years now, but we just believe that your giving and generosity is an act of worship. So do that anytime you want. You can text. You can go online. That stuff is on your news and events page. And we are so pumped because because of your generosity, we're able to do this place and to be able to see lives change. Yeah? Cool. So I threw a lot at you in the first little bit. I was throwing down that there are people that fill our churches every week, and they say that they're a Christian, but they really aren't. When you look at their life, it doesn't line up. I said that the reason why you don't grow is because you don't have a plan. I said that there is an overhauling of our life that happens on a regular basis if we're going to follow God. And I think that this is a lot to chew on. I almost think that the band could come up and we could chew on that. Just the first Timothy passage alone says, you know what? Train yourself in godliness. And to evaluate where are we in our training to become godly. 
Are we consistently looking at our life and saying, God, am I living out of who you say I am? And what do I need to adjust to realign with that? And what do I need to overhaul to realign with that? I think we're creatures of habit. I think that we get into routines. I think that we get into comfort zones and we stay there. Let me tell you, I told the band earlier, if you're going to follow the Holy Spirit, it is dangerous. It is not safe. It causes you to do crazy things like open up a child care center. When you follow the Holy Spirit, it is, it, Jesus said, it blows like the wind. You don't know where it's going and you don't know where it's going to come from. But man, when you get on board with it, life becomes less of a routine and it becomes an adventure. How many of you guys like adventure? Be careful what you ask for. So what I want to do is I, we've talked about rest for the last two weeks, and we're talking about it today again. Why three weeks on rest? Why I, the wonder of rest? Why? Because it is so hard to do. I really didn't believe that we could break year-long, decades-long habits of not resting, of working, even when we're supposed to not be working, taking homework at night, Working late hours before we go in early the next morning. All of this is going to take time. And I really felt like, man, we needed about three hits of this before we're able to even start to get it through our head. That we need to be training. And how do we know what our training should look like? I think the best example is Jesus. And remember what I said. We look at Jesus and we say, oh my goodness, he was the kind guy. He was the, the miracle working guy. He was the guy that loved people. He was the guy at the, with the woman at the well. He didn't condemn her. He didn't condone her behavior. I want to be like that. And so we try to be kinder and more patient and love our neighbor. But that's not a plan. In the book of Luke, and we're going to start in, verse, uh, sorry, in uh, chapter 4, in verse 1. Luke begins a whole emphasis around what Jesus' routine, what his adventure, what his training looked like. Before I read that right there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the teacher. We are the students. We do not know what to do most of the time. We're good at faking it and we're good at telling ourselves stories about a lot of stuff. And Lord, I pray that all of that would be cut through by the word of God that would divide both spirit and marrow. And Lord, that you would be able to help us see our lives through the lens of Jesus and how much you love us. So much so that you believed that we could be like you. So Lord, open our eyes in Jesus' name. This first verse of chapter 4 comes right after Jesus was baptized. And he's going to be going into full-time ministry. And it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Maybe it was the desert. Maybe it was just, it was where no one lived, all right? He was led into the wilderness. And he was tempted for 40 days. And he focused and he prayed, and he overcame the devil in that time. When he was gearing up for the moment, the, the ministry of his life, he got away, and he found solitude. He found the Father. 
and he was able to overcome temptation. If you continue turning in Luke, you want to turn just maybe a page over. You'll turn to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, there's a lot going on now. Jesus is on the scene. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But what does it say? But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was in a routine. He was in a rhythm, better word. He was in a rhythm that was going to sustain his ministry as he went and he was with the multitudes. He often withdrew to lonely places. Turn the page again to chapter 6. Luke is trying to tell us something here. He's trying to tell us something. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. When Jesus had a big decision to make, to choose the 12 guys that he would change the world with, he stayed up all night, and he got alone with God, and he got focused, and he prayed. And then the next morning, when morning came, he went out, he called his disciples together, and he chose 12 of them, and he changed the world with those 12. Luke is telling us something. A couple more pages, you look at chapter 9. Chapter 9, it says this, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. Again, Luke is emphasizing the fact that Jesus is stealing away and he's getting alone and he's resting and he's getting solitude and he's praying and he's connecting with the Father. And this time, he brought his disciples with him. So there's something about being alone and then there's something about being alone together. And then there's, a, there's, there's the chaos of the crowd. What does this show us? First Timothy says, train yourself. We look at Jesus, we see in Luke that over and over and over again, Luke emphasizes the fact that Jesus is getting alone with God. He's getting that rest time to be able to recharge, to be able to center his life, to be able to get his marching orders, to know exactly what he is to do. This was Jesus' rhythm, the rhythm we talked about two weeks ago that was about a life-giving rhythm. Is the rhythm that you're living right now life-giving? All right, everybody, I'm bringing it back. It's the whiteboard. All right, if you haven't been here before, the whiteboard has its own fan club, its own Twitter account, all right? It is not very white right now. It has been besmirched. So um, let's just do this real quick. So if I look at the life of Jesus... What we see is that his life gets crazy, and then he retreats. And then it gets crazy, and then he retreats. So this is, like, think about this. This is the crowds. And maybe, like, this is where we're, like, in our comfort zone, somewhere in here. And this is where, you know, he's healing people and all that awesome stuff. But this is where he's resting, where he's alone where he's healing. All right, I know you guys can't see it, so you guys see that? The craziness of life is up here. 
This is probably more like a normal part of life, maybe like when the, he's with the disciples but alone. But here is where he's resting. He's getting these periodic times when he is going just with all kinds of crowds, but then there are times when he is resting and it's on regular intervals. I can't even reach. You guys got that? This is what his life looked like. It was a rhythm. It was something that he established as a priority in his life. If you want to grow in your faith and you want to be like Jesus, stop trying to act like him and do what he did. Here's the thing about Jesus. He believes that you and I can be like him. He believes that you and I can be like him. Why do I say that? Matthew, he says, hey, you know what? When you pray, pray like this. Hey, you know what? When you fast, fast like this. Hey, when you're in, in with other people, this is what you should do. I think that what ends up happening with our lives is we actually live more like up here all the time. Anybody feel that? Like we're always up here. And then maybe, maybe we get so exhausted, we spike down, and what are we doing down here? We're sleeping. <laughs> we're not conscious, but we're recharging the batteries to go straight back up and continue this insanity. This is not rhythm that's life-giving. Are you guys with me? Did you guys see what I did? No? We're up here. So the question is, how do we do that? Well, I believe that it's about finding a rhythm to our life that is more like what Jesus was doing. People will, will come to me, and this is where our, our soul workouts came out of a lot. They'll, they'll be like, hey, Joe, you know, man, I just feel really, like, far from God. I feel like I don't really know what he wants me to do. I don't have any desire to read my Bible. I don't really pray. I'll, I'll throw the, I'll just, like, tell you a quick story about the students. I taught a, a Bible workshop for our students during boot camp. And I asked them, I said, how many of you read your Bible once a month, a couple times a week, once a week, every day, or not at all? You'd be surprised. I mean, I love our students. I don't know if they just trust me or whatever, but a lot of them said maybe once a month. If you're training, how many of you know that working out once a month, that don't cut it? It's about finding that rhythm. And here's what I want you to hear today, if you hear nothing else I say to you, is that Jesus believed that you could do it. He believed that you could do it. Where are you going to find the octane to be kind, to be more patient, to, be, to love your neighbor? It's when you establish a plan and you actually set your vision on being like Jesus. You set that goal, and then you begin to plan it out. You're going to have to, some of you are going to have to schedule your time off. Sarah and I are in constant conversation about what our weeks look like because every single week looks different. You might be the same way. Where we have to be talking about when are we going to get a day where we can just be offline 
be able to just connect as a family. When is that happening? You're going to have to schedule it. You're going to have to get serious. You're going to have to train like you're an athlete to become more godly. Some of you are in sports and you're on teams and you guys are at practice. It's super early in the morning and maybe you're doing two-a-days. Man, some of us need to start doing two-a-days with Jesus. You guys are quiet. Why is that? Is this too close to home? Or is it right there? Is it good? I, here's what I said to someone yesterday. I said, you know what I feel like I do every week is I, I hold a mirror up to my face in my life, and I look at it, I'm like, man, I need a lot of work. And then I turn the mirror around and say, do you see the same thing? I mean, if you are feeling this, then why don't you do something about it? I believe, just like Jesus, I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling you into rest on a periodic, rhythmic basis. Why? Because Jesus did it. And some of you are like, well, you know, that was, that was Jesus, man. I mean, Jesus was the Son of God. He was just awesome. Yeah, I've used that excuse too. But don't forget that he believed that you could do it. He believed that you could do it. When people say to me, man, I feel really far from God and I feel really, like, disconnected, we start talking about, well, how often are you hanging out with God? How often are you, and you don't even know how to do it. Some of you are so new to the faith, all you got to do is just get in a room. You don't even need to open your Bible, what you could. You know I mean, throw it open to Psalm, Proverbs, whatever. Start reading. Just sit there and ask God to speak to you. Get a journal. Write down all the stuff that's in your life that you're freaking out about. Write down all that stuff to just kind of vomit that out, get that out of there. You know, when you're able to do those things, you're able to actually see it differently because you're putting it on paper and you're spending the time around it. So when those people say that to me, I say, how often are you getting with God? And that's where the soul workouts were birthed, where we started to say, okay, well, here, let's try to do this. Let's try something that actually will engage your soul with the Word of God. Engage your soul with the Father. Are you guys feeling it? When you do this, there is a freedom that comes. There is a, you know, studies show that there are only so many things that you can physically or mentally focus on at a time. And when we go through our lives and we never stop for a, a day, we never stop in the morning on a, on a rhythmic basis to just be able to recapture what's going on in our life, all that stuff just keeps piling on. And then you start to forget things and you start to miss things. You start to forget birthdays or miss birthdays or anniversary or whatever. And that's what happens when we don't let ourselves rest. The last thing I'll say, because I feel like, I'll be honest with you, I feel like a broken record <laughs> because this is like week three on rest. And some of you, this is the first time you're hearing it. But I just know how hard it is. I know how hard it is just now for you to put your phone here. Some of you use the excuse to say, you know what, I don't want to walk up in front of anyone. But the Holy Spirit was calling you to drop that phone. I know how many, it's hard for you to not even pull out your phone right now when you're reading Luke, you know, 9, and then flip over to Facebook to see what's going on, or the Insta to see what's going on. It's because it's just incessant. It never shuts off. It never leaves you alone. When you get alone with God, you can discern what God wants you to do. Let's have the band come up.
If you want, you can turn to uh, Luke 22. I'm going to leave you guys with this. When Jesus was going to the cross, it was the pinnacle of his ministry. He was about to go to the cross. He was about to be betrayed. He was about to have to make the decision of his life whether or not he was going to go to the cross. And he prays. In Luke 22, starting in verse 39. Again, Luke is good, right? He's telling us something. Jesus went out as usual. Everyone say, as usual. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Last week I talked a little bit, that I was going to mention Hebrews 4 and unpack that. Let me give you the brevity of that because I went with Luke this week. I felt like that was where we needed to look. In Hebrews 4, it's all about the fact that there's a, the people of God, the Israelites, there was a, a, a bunch of them that disobeyed God and therefore never saw the promised land, God's rest. They never got to God's rest. And, and the author of Hebrews talks about the fact that do not let your hearts be hardened like theirs were, but there is rest for you now and uh, at the end of your life. And the thing about the, that kept us from that that rest and keeps us now from that rest is that disobedience of not listening to the Holy Spirit that's calling you to chill out, to rest. That's what it is. And here's what Jesus found. He found two things. When he prayed and he was like, Father, if you will be willing, take this cup from me. Take it from me. But when he was alone with the Father, he understood the obedience and what the obedience step looked like for him. He said, but not my will, yours. And he went to the cross. He understood what the obedient move was because he was alone with God. But I think what's more important than that is because God is so awesome is I believe that that decision came out of an obedience, but it stemmed more so out of love for the Father and His will and for all of us. You will know the love of the Father like you've never known before if you choose to rest. If you choose to put it down and to say, you know what, I've got to connect because I don't know what I'm doing. And I need something to guide me. And God, you are the only one. And when I choose to rest on the regular, what I'm doing is I'm saying, there is nothing else in my life that can fill that void. There is nothing else in my life that can direct me than Jesus himself. And so I must get with him. Let's stand.
God, you are awesome. And you show us exactly, Lord God, how we can become like you. And Jesus, thank you for the the confidence that you came at it with, where you were just saying, you can do this. You can become like me. And those who love me will obey. Those who love me will find their rest in me. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I understand the rhythm of your life. I understand your work schedule. I understand your family schedule. I understand all of that. And if you choose to overhaul your life for the next few decades, I will show you how to find rest in a culture that says you're a slave. And I will show you how to move from a slave mentality to a savior mentality, to consistently say, I need a savior, and therefore I am going to shut off some of the stuff in my life that I'm relying on. Holy Spirit, I believe just as you've led Jesus into the lonely places to pray, the lonely places to rest, I believe that you're leading us to rest. Lord, I pray that we would become uncommon, that when people try to reach out to us and we don't return a call right away, that we have good reason for it. When we miss an email because we're, we're not online, that it's for good reason, the best of reasons. Lord, help us to understand what you have for us. Because I believe that the rest that you have for us is what's lacking in our lives. And it's what's disconnecting us from you. So Lord, hey, it's time to sing. We're going to sing to you. And Lord, we want to do that with all of our heart. Lord, we want to worship you right now. And we want you, Lord, to speak to us through these words. Lord, if we need to move out of our seat, give us the willingness to do that and the confidence to do that. If we need to find us a quiet spot to pray, a lonely spot to pray in the warehouse, let us do that. Give us freedom in this place to worship you in spirit and truth, God, as we ponder the idea and the wonder of rest. So, as we go today, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, the, the desire you have in your heart to follow after God has is, is, is been put in there by the Holy Spirit. And if you choose, if you choose to overhaul and make that commitment to overhaul your life for the next several decades, you're insane but I will go with you. If you're willing, I will go with you to overhaul our lives for the next several decades. And the reason that I want to go there is because of what I see on the other side. On the other side of all the stuff and all the commitment and all the passion that we have are good things that excite me. That will blow your mind because he has so much more for us than you could ever imagine. For you in particular, for you in your life, he has way more than what you could ever think of. And how do I know that there's good stuff? I feel like we're hatching. Like we've been around for eight and a half years, but we feel like we're hatching. Why? Because of songs like that. May not win a Grammy, 
I've been praying for years that what God was doing in us musically would become more than covering other band songs. And that we would write something out of here. And it happened. It happened. That song is an answered prayer. And that's just a little tidbit of what God has for all of us. So, second place. We need to say farewell for now to a couple of our very own. So the friars, why don't you come up real quick? These folks are awesome. Russell and Ann Fryer, missionaries to Vietnam. So this is your last Sunday here. Yes. You've been here for the summer. Yes. And you're going back one woman down. I know. And so just tell us where you're at, man. Where's your heart at, man, as you go? Mm. We'll pray. Well, first of all, you just want to say thank you. Um, this has truly been a home for us. Um, as Joe is preaching this morning about, we can't do this to get, um, by ourselves. We need community. You know, I love it that he wants to go with you um, into craziness. Because, <laughs> yes, come with us. <laughs> uh, and as he said, we're going back without our daughter, Brittany, who's already started college. And uh, so I've already got an empty nest already back in Hanoi. <laughs> but where um, God is just really... Uh, continue to stir and open up doors for ministry for marriages and families and to strengthen the body of Christ there um, in Vietnam. Uh, so we really need your prayers and we just really want to say thank you. you want anything? Okay. Let's pray for them. They're, good. They're heading out a lot further away than wherever you're going today. So Heavenly Father, we pray that you um, would be made so real in their lives. Lord God, we thank you for their family. We thank you for Brittany for the new chapter that she's starting at Baylor, Lord God. We pray now that as they go, that there would be a, a little bit of a difference because Brittany could never be replaced. But Lord, as they go, that they will sense that new chapter opening up before them. As you go with them, as you're in the messy middle of all of the stuff that they have to walk back into, Lord, I pray a blessing upon them that you would give them favor with the communities that they're in, the families, the people that don't know you in Vietnam. Lord, I pray that you would just open up their hearts by the Holy Spirit, that they would begin to, to just flourish, Lord God, as they go back. And Lord God, that your name would be praised and glorified. And Lord, that many, many, many would come to you because of the fire's commitment to you and giving it up and believing that there's more and following after that Holy Spirit that is dangerous to do. We thank you, Lord God, for their family, what they've meant to us over the last several summers. And Lord God, we pray that we would get to see them again very, very soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Second place as you go today. Um, next week, we are going to have, again, one service at 10 a.m. Um, and then uh, we'll be talking more about potentially doing that in September. So we love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you guys very soon.